brag on my son. I say enough bad things about my kids. Y'all need to hear something good, right? So I've had the privilege of coaching lacrosse. Is that better, Ron? All right. I am ringing. All right, sweet. So I've had the privilege of coaching lacrosse, and last, yesterday something awesome happened. You know, when you, when you practice for something over and over again and you wait for that one thing to happen and, and you just you can't wait for it to happen. And as a coach, you teach and you coach and you want this thing to happen and all of a sudden it happens and then you lose your ever-loving mind when it does. So my son is face-off, right? And in lacrosse, if you don't know what it is, it's too complicated to explain, go watch YouTube. And so um, they're, they're, they're face-off and you get the ball and you scoop it and you go and you take off running towards your goal and you pass and the guy shoots and it was beautiful. Chad, face off, he gets the ball, there's a little scrim, they're fighting for the ball, he comes out of it. He takes off, he turns, and I start yelling, and Ron starts yelling at him, run, just run! And so he starts taking off running, and, he, and I start yelling louder, run, and he starts running faster, so the key to running fast is someone yelling louder at you. And so he takes off, he looks up, he makes a pass, the guy in the middle catches it, turns, scores, it was beautiful. And his dad and his other coach went mad on the sidelines. It was great. <laughs> Do you ever notice that it's interesting when, when something you want so bad or something you wish for somebody else, for when it does happen, you just get excited. And, you can, and, you can, and sometimes, and here's the thing, here's our tendency. Our tendency is this, is we like to be reserved. And we like to be calm. And, we, and if you ever see me coach, that is not my, that. you know what, uh, I'm going to say that. I know it's hard to believe. Let me, let me just say this too. When I see God move in people's lives, I get just as excited. I get just as excited and pumped. Like, see, to me, we, I think we miss so many things in life. We get caught up in so many different things that we put our value or we put our focus on things that they're good things, they're not bad, but we miss the good things that we need to focus in on. And some of those things that I'm reminded of this week, that I was reminded quickly of this week, is that the thing that I need to be concerned about or the thing that I need to come back to is that I need to be concerned about how God's transforming and changing people's lives. See, when I get caught up in all the other stuff, when I get caught up in the valley and I get caught up and stuck in everyday life and when I get caught up in all this other just stuff, I miss the fact that God is changing people's lives. And what keeps me going as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus, is seeing people's lives changed. I love it. There's nothing more exciting than seeing that happen. And so when we come together as a church, we get a chance to do one thing. We get a chance to come together as a body of believers and give praise to God for what he's doing. Amen. Not all, Thank you, Joyce. And praise for what he's doing in my life, but what I get to see in other people's lives as well. And there's nothing wrong with us getting excited about what Jesus is doing. And so if I can encourage you with anything... Don't hold back when you're excited about what Jesus is doing. Don't, don't hold that back. If I can go out and lose my ever-loving mind on a past that was awesome, then I should be able to lose my mind on a God that is awesome. We start a new series today called Reflect. We, it's called Reflect, and it's the idea behind it, the, what we're calling it is Reflect God's Glory. Now, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. By a show of hands, and I'm going to raise my hand here too, by a show of hands, when we talk about 
reflecting God's glory. Does anybody else have no idea what that means? See, we use it a lot. We need to reflect his glory. Some of you didn't raise your hand, and that's okay. We, 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 we use this word, we need to reflect God's glory or what's God's glory. And I don't think we have the right understanding of what his glory is and what it means to reflect. And so I dove into this this week. And I started studying, I started reading, I started getting to this point. And if you have your Bibles with you, and if you're new to Light Point Church, um, I would encourage you to bring your Bibles, to engage with your Bible to, as we go along to read along with it. But if you don't have a Bible, that's fine. I know a majority of us, we, we use our cell phones nowadays, and we have the Bible app, and I would encourage you to pull that out. And if by a chance you don't have that, it's okay. We're not here to judge you. Look, it's on the screen behind me. You can follow along there, too. So whatever you're comfortable with, go. Go to 2 Corinthians 3.18, and it reads this. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Let me, let me kind of bring some clarity to this. Paul is in a situation where he has started a church in Corinth. And he is in Corinth, and this church in Corinth, and what you need to understand about Corinth, it's in, it's in a part of Greece where there was a lot of trade coming in and out. There was a lot of people moving in and out of the city. And so what, what it was interesting is one of the things that Corinth was known for was sexual immorality. So if, to give you an idea of what that, that just what's going on is there's a lot of things that are not good going on in this city. As people come in to make trades, as ships come in, all these other things, there's a lot of different things going on. And Paul went in and he was a part of planting a church bringing a church to this area and, and allowing this church and wanting and praying for this church to grow. And he would uh, bring about and people would come to know Jesus and, the, and this church would start to form and he would put leaders in place to, then, to, to help lead and shepherd this church and then he would go to another city. But in this, th- this city in Corinth, he was very passionate about what and loved these people dearly. And so much so that when something bad happened, he was accustomed to writing a letter to let them know of his thoughts and how they needed to correct it. And what was interesting is, have you ever noticed that when a lot of people have a lot of different ideas on what it means to follow Jesus, and, and I know this as a pastor because everyone has an idea on how church should be done, and they all have these, and they want to bring them to the table, and it could be great ideas, but it just doesn't fit the church that we're in, and, and it's okay, but there's more than that. We live in a world today where people have this idea of how to belong to Jesus and how to follow Jesus, and sometimes things just don't fit with what Jesus said. And sometimes people's idea of who Jesus is doesn't fit with who Jesus said he is. And so in this city, we have this, this thing going on where there's a lot of divisiveness going on in this church, this pool where that was going on. And Paul is writing these letters, and he, he wrote a few letters to this church, and, and some of them are still here today. Some of them were lost, but these two that we have today were written to address some issues. And so there was this thing going on with this church that people were saying, listen, Paul lets you down. He's no longer here, basically, and he's not fulfilling his word, so he cannot be sent from God. Stop listening to him. 
And so automatically, here's, here's the, for lack of a better term, here's the, the shepherd, ultimate shepherd of this church that loves this church very much, that is going about doing what God has called him to do. And there's this existing church and other people that are coming in pointing to him saying, he, he's letting you down. And because he's letting you down, don't listen to him. And they were accusing him of something, and Paul starts writing this letter to kind of defend himself. And what I will encourage you to do, because we're going to be in chapters 3 and 4 of 2 Corinthians for the next five weeks. And we're going to walk through this passage. What I'll encourage you to do is go and start reading chapter 1 this week. And start reading through it. And then if you get through 1, get, go to 2. And start reading through just so you get an idea of what I'm talking about. Of what's taking place. But, but Paul had this idea that he needed to defend what was going on. And so we're stuck in, we're not stuck, we're in this context of here's what's taking place, this division uh, of who to listen to. And in this passage, as we write in the middle of it, we have this thing, where this, this sentence, this statement where Paul writes again, it reads this, but we all. And he's talking about the church of Corinth. He's talking about this church that exists to glorify God. And we'll get into this in a minute. He's talking about this church that is supposed to reflect God's glory. He goes, with unveiled faces. Now let's go back to Moses. When Moses met with God, and we talked a little bit about this in our last series when we were talking through names of God and all this. And Moses would go and have an encounter with God. And what would happen is he'd go in and he'd have this encounter with God. And he would walk off the mountain or walk out of the Holy of Holies. And he would be glowing. He would be radiating. So much so that it would scare people. And so he'd have to wear a veil over his face so that he wouldn't scare the children of Israelite. And it's interesting because in this passage, Paul says this. He goes on, with unveiled faces. In other words, he's saying, listen, we're to walk around radiating God's glory. We're not supposed to cover that up. We're supposed to be excited about what God's doing. We're not supposed to cover that up. We don't have to hide that. We can allow people to see that God lives in me and that God's changing my life and that his glory is coming out and it's radiating out of me. And he says, beholding as in a mirror. Ever, ever look in a mirror? How many of you guys, when you look in a mirror, you get up close to see all your imperfections? No? Do y'all stand... I like to get up and see the, the little blackheads on my nose. I like to get that close because I like, and it's pretty gross. I mean, right? And some, look, y'all are judging me saying I'm weird, but you know you do it too. And then also you get up there and you're, you're looking at your nose hairs and you got to figure out which ones to, to trim. Anyway, Here, and if, you're, if you're not old yet, if you're old, you can feel me. But if you're, if you're getting older, there's this thing growing out of your ears. What is it called, guys? Ear hair. <laughs> and they come out, and you got to get up close to be able to catch them and to get the tweezers out and pull them, unless you have a loving wife who is willing to do it for you. Now, if you have a loving wife, that's what, make sure she's not mad at you when you ask her. <laughs> totally different story. If you haven't, anyway, the mirror. I, was, I got off track. The mirror. The mirror reflects who you are. When I look in a mirror, it reflects me. As much as I hate, does any of you ever walk in, you get in front of a mirror, and you're like, I don't really look like that, do I? <laughs> and we have this, this, like, when you grow old and you, like, get, all right, so as I grow older, I've gotten a lot bigger. 
like wider. I went and got measured for tux for my brother's wedding yesterday, and my neck has grown an inch from 18 to 19. I didn't get upset. I celebrated. <laughs> I wasn't mad. She measured my waist, same size. I'm good. That neck thing, by the way, it causes constriction on your airway. It's not good. Um, that's why I got a CPAP machine. Anyway, the mirror. So the mirror reflects who you are. As much as we hate it, the mirror tells the truth. It does it, a, a clean mirror does not distort who you are. And we can, we can sit there and say, That's, I, I don't look like that. And we can deny it all we want. But when we come to this passage, Paul points to this idea of the mirror and what it is reflecting out of us. He goes on to say this. He says, um, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So in other words, when, we're, when, we, when we get to this point where we are actually reflecting God's glory in, out of our lives and, and into this world, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord to Spirit. Now let me make that clear. It is the Spirit working in me that transforms my life. It is when I give my life to Jesus, the Spirit is in my heart, in my inner being, transforming me, transforming my life so that I radiate God's glory. So that when people look at me, the reflection I'm giving, the image I'm giving, when I look in the mirror and I use that image of the mirror and I'm reflecting it, it is his glory. They don't look at me and say, oh, Chad is great. They look at me and they say, when I get to this point, they say, God is great. When people start looking at you saying, like, Chad is great, step back and run and hide. Because when it gets to that point, our reflection, what we reflect, should be God and God alone. So let's talk about what this means, the glory of God. There's two pieces we need to understand. The first piece is there's God's holiness and there's God's glory. And I want to make sure I get this right. So let me open up my side notes. The holiness of God is the infinite value of God, the infinite intrinsic worth of God. And when that goes public in creation, the heavens are telling the glory of God and human beings are manifesting his glory because we're created in his image and we're trusting his promises so that we make him look gloriously trustworthy. Another, another statement is this. The whole, his holiness is what he is. His holiness is what he is. As God, that nobody, as God that nobody else is. It is his quality of perfection that can't be improved upon. That can't be imitated. That is incomparable. That determines all that he is and is determined by nothing from outside him. We have a holy God. We don't add to it. And we don't take away from it. He is who he says he is. We just walked through how many? Eight weeks of his name. Eight weeks. Talking about God the creator. God almighty. God the provider. God the healer. God of my salvation. We started looking at who he was and we could go on. There's so many names of who God is and we can go back to. But here's the thing. Those are who he is. 
We don't give him that name. That's, his, that's who he is. His holiness is that. We can't rob it from him. We can't add anything to it. And so here's what it looks like. We have God's holiness. Who God is. Then what do we mean by how do we, what is his glory? His glory is this. The glory of God is the manifest beauty of his holiness. If you don't know what manifest is, let me explain it to you. Because it's a word that I had to look up. If you don't know, I'm a very simple guy. And big words confuse me. Manifest. When we talk about manifest, we're talking that something that comes out appears out of something. And I want you to catch this. If his, if his glory, the glory of God is the manifest beauty of his holiness. It is the going public of his holiness. In other words, people see it. People catch it. That is what his, that's what we talk about when we talk about the glory of the Lord. They get to see his holiness. It is, a, it is the way he puts his holiness on display for people to apprehend. So the glory of God is the holiness of God made manifest. In other words, it makes it appear. And so what do we get to? In Isaiah 6, 3. You can mark this in your notes because I don't believe we have it on the screen. We do. Awesome. Isaiah 6, 3. It says this. And these are angels up in heaven talking about God. It says, and one, and one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Another version, your version may say, is the Lord Almighty. It says, the whole earth is full of what? Wouldn't you expect it to say his holiness? Like the angel just said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty or the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his holy. No, it talks about the glory of who God is. That when his holiness is appeared, manifested into this world, it appears to this world, people can see it, and that is what his glory is. It radiates. And it is beautiful. And the amazing thing in all this is he asks us, his creation, to be a part of it. He asks his creation to be a part of it. So what does that mean for me? And what does that mean for you? We'll go to the first part of 2 Corinthians. I want to read a, a, a statement I, I robbed from a, a well-known pastor. So God's glory is the radiance of his holiness. I want you to think about this word radiance, what it means to radiate. It's just glowing. There's something different about it. It becomes, it becomes a little overwhelming at times. It's, it's, a, it's powerful. So God's glory is the radiance of his, hol of his holiness, the radiance of his manifold. And what does manifold mean? Many and are having many different forms or elements. Our God has many different names. He has many different ways in which he moves, in which he answers things, but he's still the same God. The radiance of that, infinitely worthy and valuable perfections. 
He is perfect. And there's nothing anybody can take away from him or add to him. So we get into 2 Corinthians and where we pick up today, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. And it reads this. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need a, some letters of commendation to you or from you? And I, I want to be clear. You know how we just talked about the church being in chaos, and, and there's some issues going on within this church at Corinth. What is happening is this, and what happened in the day. You ever know, like right now in the business world, it, the networking piece, it's very important to network. Like in our counseling, my counseling world, I, I understand that in order for me to gain more clients, a lot of times it's better for me to go network. I need to go meet with somebody. I need to go meet more and more counselors and do all this stuff. And my understanding is the same way in the business world. It's so important to network, to, to get in front of people, to meet people, to do all this. It's important in the church world to do the same thing. Networking has become a, a big deal nowadays. And, it, and so what is interesting is what's, what's happened in this day is get, they, would, they would have to have a letter that basically stated they were trustworthy enough to listen to. And so somebody would write a letter for them that knew some people in this area of town that they were going to, and they would write a letter that says this guy is basically trustworthy or this woman is trustworthy, you can listen to him. And by having that letter, it guaranteed some things. It guaranteed that they'll get an audience to talk with. They'll get a place to stay. They'll get to, to be around people and share their message. So Paul is coming back to this. He already had his letter when he went there the first time. And after he went there the first time, what he poured into the city and what he did in the city was he saw lives transformed. People's lives were transformed because they met Jesus and they, their lives started to become different. And just like our lives, when we meet Jesus, sometimes we get off track. And we, get, we stray, we do all these other things rather than follow Jesus. It's happening then too, just as it does now. So Paul is coming back another time and saying, listen, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? In other words, do I have to, to become trustworthy again to you? Do I have to defend what I've done? Do I have to come back and say, hey, you need to listen to me? Or do I need to bring a letter with me that says I'm okay to be listened to? Or that I'm trustworthy? In this, it's interesting because he talks about this and he asks the questions. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, our, as some, letters of commendation to you or from you? In other words, do, do we really need to know what happened? Do you need to be reminded of what happens when God, sits, God meets us and our lives are changed? And one thing that's interesting is this. is I believe that in order... For us to even begin to reflect the glory of God. For us to even begin to allow God's glory to reflect out of, for his holiness to, re, to come out of us, it starts with a transformed heart, a transformed life. If that never happens, if we never meet Jesus, if we don't know who Jesus is and we, we don't follow him, there is no way possible for us to reflect his glory. We have to allow him to start transforming our lives. Notice this. Notice I didn't say this. You have to have it all together right now. You have to ha have everything together right now. Transformation is a process. Another word we use in the church world, and you may have heard it, is called sanctification. Transformation is this process that we go through that God starts to change our lives. 
And as he's changing our lives, notice I didn't say when we come to the end of it and his transformation is complete, then his glory is reflected. No. As he transforms us from day to day, as we follow him every day of our lives, as we fall and get back up, as we stumble and keep going, as we experience pain and keep going, his glory continually reflects out of our lives because we belong to him. And it starts with a transformed life. He comes back and he, and he talks about this piece. Listen, do, will you not look at the transformed life? Will you not look at this? And he goes on and he says this. He talks about the beginning to commend ourselves. And he talks about these letters that allow people to listen, allow people to speak, and talks of who we are. And he says, are we back to that point where we need some human, somebody <clears throat> with human words and written to tell us who we are? Or does the evidence of our transformation, is it revealed, the evidence is it revealed by the work of God in us and through us? Like when we look at our lives and we look at this, the evidence of God working in us, is there evidence of him working in us? Can I look at my life a week ago from today and say God's been at work and he's doing something amazing? Notice I didn't say I like it. Do you know that when God is really at work in our lives, a lot of times I don't like it? When he's transforming my life, it's not comfortable. It's not easy. But I think in this transformation piece, as he's, as, he's, as he's transforming us, as the Spirit's working in us, the evidence of that is we get to see him working in us and through us, just like he did Paul. Hebrews 10, or 13, 20 to 21 reads this. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep... Just so you know, the great shepherd of the sheep he's talking about is Jesus. Through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us. It's that working in us piece. That transformation that takes place in us. He is working in us. That which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ to whom be the what? Forever and ever. Amen. And a lot while back we talked about this amen piece and what it means. It's confirming. It's like saying so be it. When I say amen, I'm saying God work in my life. Start transforming me. Start allowing you to work in me so that the evidence of you transforming my life is shown by what's going on in the work in my life and the work that, that is, you're doing through me. The second thing in this is we to look at the evidence of a transformed life is this, is the lives of those we influence. In 2 Corinthians 3, 2, it says this, and Paul, Paul quickly goes to this point after these two questions. He goes, you are our letter written in our <clears throat> You are our letter. Written in our hearts, known and read by all men. You want to know why I get excited when I see God moving in people's lives? The reason why I get so excited is because he's writing a letter. 
to confirm what he's called me to do. He's writing a letter of, uh, in, in our hearts that points to the fact that when we start being transformed, there leads us to a point of being able to influence others, not for bad, but for his glory. Not for my glory, but for his. And when I'm allowing him to transform my life, allowing the spirit to work in my heart, it transforms me. It does something different, so much so that my influence in somebody else becomes something encouraging, becomes something good that brings about life transformation in their lives. I'm amazed at this. Flat out amazed in how God works. You know, we, we all have we all have these times when we just God like use me in some way, open a door so I can share you with somebody. And 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 if you haven't, I would ask that you simply pray. God, open my eyes to see somebody I can care about, somebody I can I can do life with. I'm amazed that when I get to that point, God always brings somebody into my life that I can simply share and start to, to start to share about his goodness in, in my life. See, I don't complicate things. Yesterday, and it was so amazing, yesterday I'm sitting there and I'm passing, we're getting ready for the cross game. I'm throwing a ball with a kid. One of the other dad coaches comes up and he, he starts talking. We had a long time to talk and he goes, Chad, what do you do for a living? Like, Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> y'all don't have this opportunity. I'll make you pastors and ordain all of you, and you could say it. <laughs> but I said, listen. I go, um, I'm a pastor here in town, and I'm pastor at church over in McCormick, and I'm a mental health, <clears throat> mental health counselor as well. <clears throat> and you just saw his eyes kind of. And I said, not, and I said, so the, it, it led to a conversation. I said, well, what are you doing? He told me, and we're talking back and forth. And finally, I just asked the question. Hey, y'all plugged into a church? Used to be. Used to be, but fell away. Okay. All right, cool. I said, hey, we meet at McCormick at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We'd love to see you guys. And, and your kid knows my kids, so he already instantly has a friend. Guys, this is not complicated. If you want to say you're a pastor at a church, go ahead. <laughs> if it makes it easier. You know what's interesting? A lot of times we think our work's the most important thing we can do. We, we do. We thought, like, this is where it's at. And it allows us an avenue to speak into something. What if through a conversation we start talking about what's really most important to us, and that's our Heavenly Father? See, in this conversation, I didn't know where he was at, but I started talking about the faith journey that Julie and I have been on with you amazing people. And how God continues to surround us with just amazing people to walk in this faith journey. And how I've seen God move more in the past two and a half, three years than I saw him move in the past 16 years prior in ministry. Because I'm walking in complete faith. I'm talking about how God's moved in my life. We can do the same thing. When he becomes who we're reflecting, we talk, start talking about what's most important to us. In complete honesty, was I nervous 
Yeah. Could he have rejected and said, dude, I don't want to hear this stuff? Could have. But it started a conversation because we have influence on somebody. We have a conversation. How are we using that as evidence of him transforming our lives? Because when he becomes the very thing we're looking at, it allows us to reflect his glory over those we have influence over or relationships with. In the same way Paul said it, you are our letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men. He's saying, listen, we had influence on you and your lives transformed was written on our hearts and read by everybody. It's the same thing that flows out of who we have influence over. The third thing is evidence of a transformed lives. And this is, this is the piece I'm most excited about today. It reads this in 2 Corinthians 3.3. 3. To end it, it says, Read by all men, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ. What do we tell, talk about this word manifested? Something in appearing. Something that appears, that comes out of. We don't hide it, it manifests itself. So being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone but on tablets of the human heart. God's writing a story. God's writing a letter on your heart. The heart, when Paul writes about the heart, he's talking about that inner piece of us where true change comes from. That deep down piece in our, that, that where change and, and the transformation piece starts. And I have to say that, that God is writing a letter that is, is meant to, so that when that letter is written, it reflects as it's being written. We are reflecting his glory. His glory is coming out of us because of his holiness and his love for us. He is transforming us and he is making us into his image and all of this. And as it comes out, his glory radiates out of us. But there's this letter being written on your heart, on your heart, and my heart. The problem is this. Go to that image, the first image we got there, David. The picture. Thank you, sir. The problem is this. A lot of times, this is what we reflect. If you read it, read it with me, it says guilt. Bitterness, anxiety, fear, shame, worry. And this is, this, and we could keep going. Jocelyn made me, she made me cut it short. I had about 30 of them. I'm just kidding. We could just keep going. And what's interesting, if you look, at, if you look in these in this, this images, you see like this rainbow color in the back. What does the rainbow represent? God's promises God's promise when he when Noah came off the ark he saw what and it represented his promise do you know that when we walk out and live in his promises that his glory is is radiates out of us because we prove that we show that his promises are trustworthy that we can trust him and see the issue with this is I, I'm as I'm as guilty of this as anybody in this room 
But a lot of times I think that his glory shines because of this in my life. I let this becomes what I radiate. I let the guilt that I have in my life, the shame I have in my life, the bitterness that I have towards people starts coming out of me, starts radiating. I think that his promise is shown through this because I'm why? Because I'm believing a lie. His glory doesn't shine out of this. This is not what is written on your heart. I don't care what you believe or what you think. This is not the story that he wants for you. This does not point to his glory just as much as it doesn't point in my heart when I allow this to come out. This isn't what shows his glory and shows his holiness. But some of us wear this like a badge of honor, showing it to everybody and resting on it and saying, oh, God, be glorified. He's amazing. But this isn't the truth that he has written on our hearts. He's replaced it with this. Strength. See, we live, we live in this fear world, this fear piece that we're, we're afraid of things. And he's like, no, I've given you something better than that. I've given you strength and power. He says, you live in anxiety. Guess what? I've given you peace. You want to be anxious? That's not what I'm writing on your heart. I'm wanting to write peace. He goes, you, you, you live in hate or you live in, in this piece where you hate people or you hate things? Guess what? I want to write love. You, you come to a place of hopelessness where you want to give up? And guys, I know this is real in today's world. I know it to be true. That there's people sitting right here in this room that you go to dark places and you want to give up. And you don't know what to do. And let me just say, that's not the story that God wants to write on your heart. He wants to write hope. Because he is the hope. Can, can I clarify something real quick? As a parent, as somebody who has kids or has love, we want our kids to be what? Starts with an H. Happy. Dave, and you always give the best answers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we do. We, we're like, I just want, I, and then another thing I hear a lot of times is, I just want to be happy. Guys, happiness is a myth. God doesn't want to write happiness on your heart. You know what he wants to write on your heart? Joy. Joy is not dependent on circumstances or what happens from day to day. That's not joy is a choice we make. I'm going to be joyful, and I'm going to allow joy to come out of me. The, the last one is, is he's a God of comfort. And I want to be very clear on this. It's not the God of being comfortable, but the God of comfort. In other words, when we're in chaos and suffering, he's our comfort. When we're uncomfortable, he's our comfort. This is the story that he wants to write on our hearts. Why? Because when it's aligned with his truth, when it's aligned with his holiness, when it's aligned with who he is, he radiates out of us. His holiness appears in this world. 
His holiness does not appear in this world when we walk around angry and bitter and shameful and all this. He hasn't, he's not writing that story. Satan is. He's writing the story of this. So in your bulletin or as you walked in, you were given one of these beautiful pieces of paper. And I have some extra too. So if you mess up, Jocelyn and I can get you some more. On this piece of paper, you can use your fingernail. You can use your pen. If you're lucky like me, you got a wooden pencil. Here's a, or you can use a car key. I want you to write down what the story is you want God to write on your heart. What is the story at the end that you want written on your heart or that he is writing right now on your heart? And I'll give you an example. Anybody want a pencil? Don't poke your eye out. This is the story I want trust. I know it's hard to read, but I want a life, a story written of trust in God. You come up with your own truth. I don't want to lie. If you, if you write on here something that is a lie of God, replace it with a truth. See, what I'm learning more and more of my life is this, is the more and more I trust God, the more and more I see him move. The more and more I trust God, the more and more I become more like him. The more and more I trust God, the more I see him show up and be God in my life rather than me be God in my life. See, the story that he's writing on my heart right now is this story of trust. What does it mean to trust him? What does it mean to put everything I have into him and to trust him with everything that's going on? No matter what happens, I will trust him. No matter whether it's a valley or a hilltop, no matter if it's a celebration time or a morning time, no matter if it's a struggle or a celebration, it doesn't matter. My, my heart, the story that I'm believing God for on my heart is the story of trusting him. And if you look at this, if you look as you write your word, this rainbow thing comes out of it. This rainbow piece comes out. And what you can see in this is this, is that when we allow God to write his story on our hearts, his promise of who he is and what he says starts coming out of it. See, if we start the other way, if we start in bitterness and we write that across, guess what? That is a lie. His, it will not radiate out. But as we trust him, his promises start coming into existence and start coming out. He becomes a trustworthy God. The holy God that is trustworthy becomes somebody that I walk with and that I can see and that I start to reflect. So when I look in the mirror and I reflect of what God, who God is, this is what I want to reflect, the man that trusts God. The story he's writing on your heart may be another word. Right now, the story you may need to hear is one of hope. Maybe one of grace. Maybe one of forgiveness. 
Maybe it's something totally different that he wants to replace in your life that you're living in fear, that he just wants to bring in a story of a new creation. What is it he's writing on your heart? For the next five weeks, all I'm going to ask you to do is take this piece of home after you've written it, and I want you to go home, and I want you to put a piece of tape on the back. And in your mirror in the bathroom, I want you to stick this up in your mirror on the bathroom. And every time you go in and look at how you look, I want you to go over and look at the story that God's writing on your heart. That when it comes down to it, it's this. People no longer see Chad. They see a man of God who is trusting God with everything. And I am reflecting his glory. His amazing holiness is appearing to man as I trust him more and more. So as you do this, don't worry about how, don't, don't worry if like your wife gets up or her husband gets upset that there's clutter on the mirror. Just say, listen, all I want is five weeks of being able to look at this. Maybe you keep it up longer. Guess what, guys? If you've written a lot of stories in your life right now, grab more. We have over 300. And write, and write out the story that God's writing on your life. Hold on to it. Allow his promise to come out of it. It says out of darkness his light will shine. As we walk and trust him more and more, his light will come out of darknesses and his promises will appear and they will manifest and his glory will be all over this earth. And that's what we're called to do is reflect his glory. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and praise you. We thank you, Father, that you're a God that is writing a story on our hearts. That just like Paul began in this, as he's addressing this church in Corinth, that we don't need these outside letters, we don't need these outside people telling us our worth or telling us whether we're trustworthy. We don't need that, Lord. What we need is for you to transform our lives. We need to allow you to write a story of hope, of trust, of strength, of power, of salvation of grace, of mercy on our hearts so that you are reflected in all that we do so that your glory appears to this world. God, you're an amazing God and you never let us down. You never fail us. And Lord, as you write on our hearts the story that you have for us, Lord, may what we reflect what come out of us be your glory that a holy God loves us enough to use us as a vessel to reflect who you are to a dark and hurting world thank you thank you for that opportunity God we love you praise you and we ask Father that you just continue to write that you would drive out all this stuff that we think we have to live out all the things that we think are written on our hearts that shame that bitterness that anger that hate 
all that other junk, Father, that, that we think's written there, Lord, may you replace it and may you write your story of hope and of what you want on our hearts. And may we hold on to it. May we see it. May we live it out. And because of that, Lord, as our lives are transformed, may it just be the evidence of transformation, Lord, that, that, that your glory is shown out of us as we appear to this world. God, we love you and praise you and we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father. Amen. Peter 1, 6 to 9 reads this. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in what? In praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. He's writing a story on our hearts. And his glory wants to be reflected out of us. As we respond today, may I encourage you with, these, with this first response. What is it? He's writing on it. Let him write it. Whatever that looks like to you. If you need help and understand that, email me, call me. Let's get together and talk. Talk with your life group leader. Connect with somebody you're close with and walk through this together. Another way you can respond is by acknowledging his death and burial and resurrection through taking of communion. You can do that as you need. Our prayer team will be over here. Maybe there's something you just need prayer over, and Joyce and Phil will be here to pray with you. One way you can respond is by giving, by being a generous giver. At Life Point, we believe this is that God has blessed us. And that is a response to that. And trusting him, we give a portion of that back to him. And so you wrestle with that how you want, but you have an opportunity to give. If you have your prayer cards and maybe you want to write a prayer request, maybe you're offering today your gift or whatever it is. Maybe you want to give a praise to God. Write it on that card or a prayer request. Write it on the card and put it in that offering bin as well. And lastly, we can stand and sing and give praise to a God that loves us, that is writing a story of redemption and rescue on our hearts. You respond how God moves.